Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Are you concerned about big tech monitoring your data? Many of you might be aware that your actions on the internet are under surveillance. Tech companies and government agencies use this data to build profiles on you that monitor your beliefs, relationships, and habits. A lot of this data is harvested from the apps on your computer. One of my fans has designed a desktop app called Synthetic Notes, which is a normal notes app with several key differences. Unlike most apps, it doesn't use a subscription model. That means once you've bought it once, it's yours forever. Compare that to other companies that charge you over $100 a year. Synthetic Notes also stores all of your data on your local machine away from psychoanalytic algorithms and cloud databases. This, combined with the fact that it's not a subscription app, means that Synthetic Notes never needs to connect to the internet. You can safely quarantine the app, and it will still work completely fine. By paying for Synthetic Notes, you are buying back your privacy. Go to syntheticapps.com forward slash Zuby, and use my code Zuby, Z-U-B-Y, at checkout to get 25% off. That's syntheticapps.com forward slash Zuby, and use my code Zuby at checkout for 25% off. Protect your privacy. I am the man, stick with the slang, stick in a blessing for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me a blessing for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Stick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all won't remember the name. Y'all won't remember the name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, on today's episode, we have got on somebody who is looking to disrupt and revolutionize the health insurance industry, and this is the CEO of CrowdHealth, Andy Schoonover. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. No doubt, man. So I've done a brief intro right there, Andy, but for people who are not familiar with you, please tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, I'll give you a little background, a little context for for the company and and me. Um, I was running a healthcare technology company a few years back and and sold that company and as such uh, lost my health insurance because, as you know, in the United States, most of these people get health insurance through our employers, and so I didn't have that anymore. So I went over to healthcare.gov and and got a uh, a plan for me, my wife, and my two girls, and it was twelve hundred bucks a month. Um, and it worked great until I actually had to use it. So my little one who was one at the time was having uh, ear issues. So we went to the ear, nose and throat doc and, uh, he told us that she needed to get tubes in her ears. So we went over to the local hospital, got tubes in her ears. It was a 15 minute procedure and the uh, bill was $8,000. Um, wow. and I'm like, Holy crap, $8,000 for 15 minutes. I mean, that's the craziness of our health insurance system or healthcare system generally. And it was my first encounter with that. 
Um, but I was like, okay, I have health insurance, and so health insurance is going to pay for it, right? Well, my uh, health plan sent me a note that said uh, it was medically unnecessary, and so we're not going to pay for it. Um, wow. And so I'm like, I had a stroke an eight thousand dollar check to the local hospital, you know, and it's and it's you know it pissed me off as you can probably imagine. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I I called the I called the plan. I said, man, I quit. If you're not going to pay my bills, I'm not going to pay your bills, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so over the last couple of years, I've started building some tools that allow people to operate outside of health insurance. Um, and the culmination of that is crowd health. Uh, we started uh, back in April. Um, we raised a six million dollar seed round to to start the company, and uh, we're off to the races. So yeah, Crowd Health is just a, a way for people to ditch their existing health insurance. I like to say cancel health insurance in their, or cancel culture today, um, and go off on your own and do it on your own because most people don't have to have health insurance. So that's what we're doing. No doubt. So how does how does Crowd Health actually work? Yeah, so you uh, contribute uh, funds to an account that's yours, your account, every month. So if you're between the ages of, of 6 and 54, it's 175 bucks a month. Um, you, do, you put that into your account, and that is an account that you can use to help other people when they have health care bills. So if uh, the Schoonovers have a health care bill, I'm going to go to Zuby and I'm going to say, Hey, would you help the Schoonovers with their healthcare bill this month? Um, it's almost like crowdfunding your your healthcare bills. And if you say yes, then you will transfer money from your account to my account to allow me to help pay for my daughter's broken arm. Um, and so you'll you just make a, a contribution every single month. Um, if you have a healthcare bill, then you will contribute it to the the community. We call it the crowd. Um, and we ask the crowd to fund your healthcare bills. So in essence, what we're doing is we're taking the health insurance plan outside of the middle and just connecting you directly with other people in, in the community to, to help out with some of those, those big bills. So anything under 500 bucks, that's yours. You take care of it. You know, it's like a, a car, right? Like you, you, you take care of your oil changes, but if there's something big, then you need some help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, for things over $500, you can contribute to the community to, to get paid for. But here's the, the real kicker is by doing this, you'll save about 50%. Um, if you ditch health insurance and you go with this option, you'll save about 50%. And that just shows how screwed up our health insurance system is, is there's, there's 50% of waste um, mm. the way that we're currently doing it in the United States. I hear that. What is the way that health insurance currently works in the States? Because I'm from the UK, of course, so it's quite a different system because there's the NHS over there. You can, of course, still have private insurance as well, but majority of people opt not to. Mm-hmm. But I know in the States, it's typically tied to people's jobs and workplaces. So I've got like a very vague understanding of it, but as someone who's more got more expertise in the area, especially because this is going out to a global audience, can you kind of give us a rundown of how it typically works over there? Yeah, sure. So 60% of the people in the United States get their insurance through their employer. So okay. if you work for somebody, the employer will pay for your insurance or at least pay for part of it. They'll take out some part of it to pay for... Um, take it out of your check to pay for it. Um, 30% of people Mm -hmm. will go and get it on their own because they are either entrepreneurs, 
who don't work for a big company that pays for their insurance or they don't have a job at all. So they're responsible for getting it on their own. Um, and the remainder gets it through the government, whether it's Medicare for folks who are 65 and older or it's Medicaid who are f- f- folks who are who are poor. Um, so that's the way mm-hmm. that there are, there are really kind of three different ways of getting insurance, government on your own or through your employer. Um, we're really focused on all those people who are trying to get it on their own, which are entrepreneurs, who are startups, who are freelancers, who are podcast folks who are just trying to build a business, right, and aren't big enough to provide, you know, health insurance to everybody. So that's really where we're focused. I get that. And what are the what are the main problems? I mean, you've talked about wastage. I hear these horror stories in the States about, you know, people getting these gigantic medical bills and stuff like that. So what are the what are the issues in the current system? Yeah, so people think that uh, healthcare is really complex, and it's and it's not. Um, it is interesting because the the buyers of healthcare, which are these health plans, actually are incentivized for prices to go up. So the Affordable Care Act, which was passed here in the United States about eight or nine years ago, uh, says that health plans can only profit so much on your monthly premium. So if I pay $1,000 for the Schoonover house, the, the health plan can only profit 150 bucks, mm. which from the outside looking in makes tons of sense. It's like, yeah, we don't help want health plans to make way too much money on you know providing us that service. The problem with that, though, is if you're a corporation, you want your profits to go up. And so the only way for your profits to go up is for your premium to go up. So... You know, if you're at $1,000, you can make $150. If you're 10% higher than that at $1,100, you make $165. So insurance plans actually have an incentive for prices to go up. So the, the hospital systems, who are the, the buyers, or the, excuse me, the sellers of healthcare, mm-hmm. also want prices to go up because they just want to make money, right? So mm-hmm. if the buyers of healthcare and the sellers of healthcare both want prices to go up, guess what? prices are going to go up, right? And so, you know, our healthcare, I think we spend almost twice as much per capita on healthcare in the United States as kind of the average, you know, country does. Um, And so that's the reason why we have, we have the buyers and the sellers of healthcare, both wanting the prices to increase. Um, And that's a major problem. That's really interesting. Um, So of course, I love what you're doing, because you're coming up with an innovative entrepreneurial solution towards this, which is much more community driven. Is this something that is in your, as far as you know, has anyone else tried this? Are there any other sort of crowdfunding type based um, ideas out there? Or is this something that's, that's totally new? You know, what I've done is I've kind of taken some of the other things that are are working, um, like GoFundMe, for example, Mm. Um, you know, GoFundMe, um, is a, uh, a crowdfunding platform for everything, but it's, I believe it's, it's number one, uh, request is for healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, so can we take that, um, and, you know, com- combine it with just modern day financial techniques to create something that is a, a viable alternative to health insurance. And that's what I've done. And there's really nothing out there, you know, quite like it, um, but, you know, so far in, in 2021, you know, we're in 2022 now, but in 2021, mm-hmm. we got 100% of the bills that were submitted, uh, crowdfunded by, by the community. Um, so it's working. 
um, we're getting prices that are okay. about 50% less than what health insurance plans are, are, are getting. Um, so, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the reason we can do that is we pay the doctors in cash. So, or, or credit, a credit card. So if you can go in and pay a doctor via credit card, um, you're going to get mm-hmm. about a 30 or 40% improvement, um, in the price versus going through a health plan because it's so difficult to, for the doctor to pay the health plan. So the great thing about this is doctors love it. Uh, and, and so if we can get the doctors to love it, the patients to love it, it's a, it's a system that's going to work. So when it comes to people who are of different ages and health demographics, how is that handled in crowd health? Is it just everybody pays the same amount or does it change depending on your age and medical status? Yeah, if you are, um, uh, so 6 and 54, it's 175 bucks. If you're younger than that, it's a little bit more. If you're older than that, it's a little bit more. The only reason there is babies are a lot more expensive than you and me. Um, folks <laughs> over the age of, of 54, things start going wrong, so they're a little bit more expensive than the both of us, and so we ask them to put a little bit more into the pot. Okay. And when someone has an issue and needs it funded, does that happen it doesn't happen automatically you said that people it goes back out to the crowd and then people need to agree or disagree is that right yeah and so um if you're just going to the doctor so here in the states if you're going to a primary care doc or an OBGYN or a pediatrician it's going to be between 150 and 200 bucks um and in that case you'll pay for it you'll submit it via our app and then we'll go out and crowdfund it. Um, and usually we're getting crowdfunded within five to six days. Um, and then for the bigger ones, so let's just say um, a knee replacement, you know, a knee replacement here in the States, a health plan will pay about $40,000. Okay. We're, we're getting knee replacements per about twenty-two dollars to $25,000. Same docs, just different payment structure. So mm-hmm. um, su- su- still super high quality, but that's usually scheduled. So we will actually go out and crowdfund that prior to um, you getting that that knee replacement. So you let us know. You're like, hey, I'm going to go get a knee replacement. Um, We say, great, um, you should go to this doc. um, And then we'll we'll crowdfund that before you get there. So the doc actually gets paid on the day of the the surgery. Are there any limitations or exclusions? Can anybody... Anybody join this? Yeah, the only exclusions that we have are uh, weight. So if you're over 300 pounds uh, or uh, smokers. So no smokers and obese. Um, we're, we're not going to allow you into the community, but everybody else is is allowed into the community. And gotcha. again, that's just okay, because well, I guess, those, that's... Those, folks, those folks are massively more expensive than um, mm. others. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's also in, for anyone who's interested in joining, I mean, that's also a pretty strong incentives to take care of certain lifestyle factors so that they can, I mean, obviously people should be doing this anyway, but as we all know, what people know they should do and what they actually do, especially when it comes to their health is a, uh, is a tricky one. I don't think anyone's sort of mastered that one yet. <laughs> I know someone who's really into health and fitness and diet and all of that, trying to work out the sort of silver magic bullet to 
encourage people and motivate them to actually take care of themselves properly, it's a, it's a yeah. very difficult one. Well, given, given that we're kind of new and innovative, uh, our average member right now is 34. Okay. Um, so we have some, some young folks. The BMI is about three to four points lower than the national average. Um, you know, they're not smokers, they're not overweight. And so we've got a, a pretty healthy group. Um, mm-hmm. And so that should give people some um, comfort that they're in a group of people who are healthy. Um, and so there shouldn't be, you know, massive extravagant bills because you're just, I mean, th- there are going to be some, but not, you know, o- overly um, as a percentage of the, the entire community because it's, it's a pretty healthy community. No doubt. It's going to be more, you know, stuff, stuff that's rare accidents, exactly. um, you know, very unpredictable illnesses, things like that, rather than things that are just more chronic and avoidable. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the other thing too here is, is people are like, okay, so what is the probability that my bills are actually going to get crowdfunded? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the health plan will say that they'll guarantee that their, their bills will get paid. But here in the United States, like you just heard my story, um, one out of every six bills are rejected by the health plan. So one out of every six. So like okay. imagine that, I mean, that's not a very good probability, especially for, you know, a really big bill. And I've been fortunate. I can pay an $8,000 bill to the local hospital, but you know, 90% of people in this country can't do that. You just mm-hmm. don't have eight grand sitting around to, to, to pay a hospital bill. Um, so I mean, the, 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 the the sad stat is 250,000 people last year in the United States um, went bankrupt, even though they had health insurance because of medical bills. 250,000 people. Wow. Right. I mean, that just tells you how stupid this system is. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's totally screwed up. And that's because health plans aren't paying these bills. Um, and two is you have these big deductibles, which means, you know, you have to pay five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars out of your pocket before the health plan will pay anything, right? And a lot of people yeah. don't have five, six, or seven thousand dollars in their bank, and so they're paying for something that they're not actually going to use, and it's going to put them into bankruptcy. Um, you know, and a lot of this stuff was was dictated by the government, and mm-hmm. so of course, right? You know, the government tries to fix something, and it actually makes it worse in many, many ways. <laughs> happens a lot. It happens a lot. Given that the past two years supposedly have been so focused on health. Um, I would argue that they haven't been, but, but given that that's supposed to be the narrative, what sort of, have you taken any interesting insights away from that in terms of what it is that you are doing and what you're building? Because I think there have been so many fascinating insights on all sort of levels of humanity over this time for anyone who's analytical and observant. So is there anything that's come out of that for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that we've got a renewed um, desire for a bit more self-sovereignty, <laughs> mm. um, especially in this country, as, as the government tries to tell us what to do and how to do it and when to do it. Um, and, you know, in terms of the health insurance front, you know, the government wants to tell us how to take care of our, our bodies, right? Um, what, we, what, what the health insurance plans can pay for and can't pay for. Um, and I think it should be between us and our doctors. You know, let us and our doctors decide what is good for us and what is not good for us, and then let people do what they want to do. Um, mm. And I think we're seeing that with this, you know, 
pandemic, um, that the more the government tells us what we have to do with our bodies, the more people will rebel against it. Um, mm. You know, and, and so I think crowd health is always like, look, the responsibility is yours. You know, you have a group of people who will help you if you in the case of a big, big bill. But we've been doing that for thousands of years. Right. Like our communities have rallied around us um, when we've had a, a big issue, whether it be healthcare or financial or whatever it is. And, you know, the government and the health insurance plans have now stuck stuck themselves in between us and our communities. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where I think is we've really gotten screwed up. And in, in this country, I can say for this country, I, I don't know, you know, how the governments are acting in other countries. I'm seeing with this uh, the Australian Open and, oh boy. You know, the, <laughs> and the, all that kind of stuff going on in yeah. Australia. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, people. Um, so I, I think there's kind of a renewed spirit of, of, of desiring to keep the government out of, of people's health care. Um, and, mm-hmm. then, man, we've been kind of overrun with folks, um, especially kind of libertarian-leaning folks who, who really want to own their own responsibility for, for health care. So we're, we're, we're seeing that in a big, big way, especially over the last three or four months. Mm. Do you think this idea is unique to the USA because of the way the healthcare system currently is there and with all of its advantages and disadvantages? Or do you think that this concept is something that could work across different countries, whether that is one system that works across the board? For example, things like you, you brought up uh, things like GoFundMe, Kickstarter, etc. These are obviously international platforms. Could something like crowd health end up being international? Or do you think it's something that is specific to the USA? Yeah, so I think it could be international in two ways. One is we're getting a lot of people from Canada calling us, <laughs> Okay. interestingly, um, because a lot of those folks come to the United States to get their health care paid for um, because there are such long waits for you know Canadian health care. I saw something the other day where it was almost six months between mm. primary care and a specialist. And so if they can come to the United States and, and have that covered, they will do that. Um, so I do think that there is a Canadian impact to this. Um, the other thing we're seeing too is, is U S citizens going abroad. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that, you know, that's, that's one where it's like, look, I'm going to wherever, you know, but I can't, my Cigna or Aetna or United healthcare doesn't pay for my service in Turkey, for example. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and so we will, we do see a lot of interest from people who travel a lot. Um, missionaries, we get, you know, we got a bunch of missionaries on here, interestingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, we, we, I do think this could be international. Um, you know, is it international in a big way? I, I don't know. I haven't done enough work on the kind of the regulatory environment of some of these other, you know, uh, sure. countries. But I mean, if, 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 if countries want to bring the community back to healthcare, I think this is an interesting model. And if we can prove it out in the United States, then maybe it's something others will consider because we've got the best of both worlds. It is, you know, you either got to choose the price or the wait times from what we've seen, right? The yes. NHS and, and UK, mm-hmm. the, the system in Canada, they are significantly lower cost, but your wait times are extremely long. The United States, our, our wait times are really low. Like mm-hmm. I can walk into any specialist today if I want to, but that price is really high. What we're doing is we're saying, let's take the best of both worlds in that we can walk into a specialist today 
we can pay them in cash, and as such, they're going to give us a price that's 30 or 40 percent less than what a health plan pays them. We're getting the best of both worlds with crowd health. And if we can make that work and scale it, then I think it is a model in which other countries should look at and say, hey, this actually works. I know that's a grand, ambitious plan, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's viable. Yeah, well, I think all the, all the best plans are grand and ambitious. I mean, I think it's a really, I, I mean, I really wanted to chat to you about this because I think it's such a cool, I think it's such a cool idea. And as someone who is more libertarian minded, I'm very much interested in entrepreneurial and free market and community based solutions to things, because as we've already both acknowledged, you know, we, we live in this era where people look to the government for everything. And as we know, due to incompetence, malice, and also just inefficiency, there are a lot of things that the government is not going to do as well as the free market could do. And there's always going to be wastage. The incentive structure is not set up correctly. Um, There's a whole host of problems with it. Plus, also, I just I, I also like the community idea. I think one great thing about uh, crowdfunding in general, whether this is people funding something through GoFundMe or using Indiegogo or Kickstarter for a project. I've used Kickstarter for three of my music projects, for example. And building that community is also really valuable because one thing is when something comes from the government, which really is coming from taxpayer money, there's this idea that money is kind of coming from nowhere, right? People kind of, there's this entitlement that people just feel, oh, like I just get this money from nowhere and you're not realizing that that's coming from someone else's labor or someone else's contribution or anything like this. But when it's much closer to you with something like crowdfunding, you can see and be thankful for and be grateful for the people who are part of that community. You can actually see who's there. Okay, great. Like these are the people who contributed. These are the people who helped. And then also in the future, when it comes time for you to pay that back and to help somebody else, it also feels better. It's not just like, okay, my money is being totally extorted from me and I don't know where it's going. I don't know who it's going to. I don't know what it's doing. Um, I don't know if the person receiving it appreciates it or cares or whatever. They just feel entitled to it. So I think ideas like this are are really the way forward. And I think it's also interesting because it's simultaneously like a, a very old and a very new idea, crowdfunding in general. Like I think if you were to go way, way, way back in time, it's like actually this is how human beings have typically done things just on a community level. And then things got so big and governments got so big. And then I think we're moving away again towards more decentralization we're seeing this happening in the financial system. Uh, we've seen it happen in other things. And I think healthcare is an area where it's kind of ripe for innovation. I think healthcare and education are two massive areas where there's just so much room for change and improvement. We've kind of been running with these old models for like a very, very long time. And I don't think they're serving people particularly well. Yeah, amen. I mean, I think, look, you know, the government has been has stolen the value of generosity from most of us. You know, mm. if you see somebody on the side of the street that needs help, right, the, the thought at least goes through my mind, I'll, I'll be honest, is like, hey, the, 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 the government's going to help them, mm-hmm. right? And that because we've, we've got this, this system built that is an entitlement-based system. And so 
instead of me going and help that person, I make an assumption, and I think I'm not the only one. I think it's the vast majority of the people. I agree. The government is going to help them. Yay, government. Mm -hmm. You know, but that keeps the responsibility away from me and pushes it on to somebody else. Where if we as a community can say, no, no, we're going to gather around that person and we out of our own pockets, as opposed to the government, which Mm -hmm. is our own pockets ultimately. But (laughs) how can we out of our own pockets go and and support that that community, that family, that person, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But the government has stolen that from us. Um, the ability to be generous in many, many ways, you yes. know, and I think the lack of generosity, which I think is a soul filling characteristic, a soul filling activity um, really is is one of the, the, the key components of the decline of our society from my perspective. So, yeah. Um, and I think healthcare is the same way. The health insurance plan has gotten in the middle of something, whereas we as a community in the past have been responsible for the other people in our community to make sure that they're 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 safe and they're healthy and those types of things and so we're bringing that bringing that back and have some pretty kind of cool tools in the background to you know allow people to do that effectively so it's 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 kind of back to the future right i mean yeah. it's like <laughs> taking things that worked 2000 years ago adding fintech onto it to really create something that is that is viable and i think long lasting so um you know, if your your listeners out there are fed up with with health insurance, you know they're here in the United States, fed up with health insurance. We'd love for them to join us. No doubt, man. So I'm curious to shift gears a little bit and find out more about the man behind the project. So you said that prior to Crowd Health, you ran and sold another business. What was that? Yeah, funny enough, it was also in healthcare. Okay. Um, so we were monitoring blood pressure and blood sugars and weight and things like that out of the home of folks with chronic conditions. So if you had diabetes, we would know if your blood sugar would spike. Um, and so we would call you and we'd say, hey, Mr. Smith, your blood sugar is up. What's going on? Did you not take your meds? Did you have a, a meal that you weren't, you know, um, uh, you know, supposed to be having and, and things like that? And so we were helping people with chronic conditions to stay out of the hospital. Um, and, and funny enough, we were selling that to health plans. <laughs> okay. um, and so, um, you know, I've, I've, I've made money on health plans in the past. I'm going after them now. So it's, it's, it's kind of a funny, funny thing. No doubt. And what about the, what about the story behind that? Cause with all my guests, I'm always interested in finding out a little bit about the, about the person, not just what they do. Yeah, sure. But Man, the, that's good. the story. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, so I went to uh, Stanford for business school um, mm-hmm. out of Stanford, um, you know, funny enough. I don't know, have you ever seen uh, The Social Network, the movie about Zuckerberg? I have, yes. Yeah, yeah. so there's a, there's a subplot in that movie around uh, Zuck- Eduardo having to go to his dad to get, I think it was sixteen or $18,000 to pay for this house that Zuckerberg needed to get all of his buddies from Boston to Silicon Valley. Well, that house that they rented was was my house. They actually rented it for me. Uh, okay. And so, you know, in the movie, they have this, you know, these funny things about zip lines from the from the chimney into the pool and things like that. That they didn't actually have a zip line. There was a pool at this house, but um, you know, it was like the worst financial decision I've ever made is not taking equity as opposed to that that cash. Oh um, wow! You know, like because this was. This was back in 2000, and I'm gonna might get screw up the 2005, I think 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, this is when they were tiny. They had six or seven colleges. You had to have a .edu email address to be a part of Facebook, and we were like, yep. okay, this is a niche little thing you know, pro- for cool, it, for college students. I'm, I'm guessing this was probably around 2004, actually. 
because maybe it's 2004. I think yeah. I, jo- I joined Facebook in 2004, and that was around that stage, the way you just described it. Yeah. So I think it was yeah. maybe summer of 04, if that's right. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, it was it was uh, uh, it was kind of a funny story. But I was out of business school, and, and it was that time where you know all my my buddies were going to Google and Facebook and you know, all these high tech companies. And I was like, you know, I want to do something a little bit different. So I went out and raised some money to buy this little company in, uh, in all places, Dayton, Ohio, uh, for your, for your visitors who are overseas. This is a, you know, a, a little place in a, you know, in a, the middle of the country that nobody ever talks about. Um, <laughs> but I, I, so I moved from San Francisco to, to this, you know, little middle Midwest town. Um, and you know, had a, couple dozen employees and over seven years turned it into I don't know three or four hundred employees um, and and sold it to a private equity firm uh, which has now given you know me and my family the ability to go and do some some other things like try to take down health insurance um, so <laughs> that's uh, that's a, a quick quick history okay no that's awesome man yeah. so coming back to uh, so coming back to what you're working on what are the plans for 2022? Yeah, so we're we're um, 2021. At the end of the year was open enrollment. So in the United States, we have this period of about two months where you can sign up for health insurance. Um, we don't have an open enrollment with Join Crowd Health. You can join us anytime you want to. Um, but 2022 is really focused on scaling up the organization, uh, building some cool some cool tech functions. You know, one of the things we're going to do um, is allow people to have significantly reduced costs if they work out. So we're going to okay. be able to tie your, your Apple Watch or other wearable into our app so that if you work out, you know, at least three times a week, then you'll get a significant reduction of your, your, the, the amount you have to pay in on a, on a monthly basis to, again, really incentivize people to, one, get working out, but also incentivize mm-hmm. people who work out to come and join us because we, okay. uh, we love that crew. So <laughs> we're building, building lots of tech here over the next uh, 12 months to make the experience for the end user more even more affordable um, mm-hmm. than it than it currently is, but also just way easier to use. So um, those are the things we have for 2022. It's it's gonna be a fun a fun year. Um, we're trying to get to about 25,000 people by the end of the year, and we're well on our way. That's awesome, man. No, I think this is such a, I think this is such a dope idea. Um, I do hope that it ends up being something that can be that can be international because even as myself, as somebody who's like a travel, you know, who, who just tra- travels around so much and is out and about different cities, different countries, all that. I think it would be so cool to have something where it's like, okay, cool. I can just set up my contribution there and it's community based and I can help support other people with that. They can help support me. It's outside of this old school legacy system um, I just think it's a brilliant idea, honestly. Well, I, pr- I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, we, we, um, if we can get up to that, you know, 20,000 people mark, I think it's really got significant legs. Um, and so, like I said, we're, we're well on our way there. Um, and I was like, man, if everybody, if everybody who listened to this podcast, uh, would, would sign up, we'd be there and, and you'd be like, <laughs> no, in, it, clearly, I mean, instrumental in really changing the way that, that healthcare is, is, is done. Um, yeah. I, th- I think we truly have something here that if we can, if we can get to the, you know, a couple 20,000, 25,000, we'll, we'll be le- legitimate um, alternative to the way that healthcare is being, being currently delivered. Um, yeah. And we'd love people to be a part of that. Absolutely. Are there any, are there any threats to it from the legacy system? 
I mean, look, or anything um, you foresee? Yeah, our, our two biggest health plans um, in the United States is our two of the biggest. United Healthcare is the biggest, um, mm-hmm. and they are the eighth largest company in the world based on revenue. Um, okay. Aetna is owned by a company called CVS here in the United States. Um, they are the seventh largest company in the world. So CVS, like the pharmacy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we have the seventh and the eighth largest companies in the world not liking what we're doing. Um, and so, you know, so our, look, our biggest hurdle is big, a big corporation, right, who yeah. pay the, the lobbyists lots of money to tell legislature, le- legislators in our country that this is a, a bad idea. Um, and so that's really our biggest hurdle is, is big corporations kind of getting in the middle of this. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're just trying to, you know, grow as fast as we can. And, and, and all of these big technological innovations over the last decade have had regulatory issues. I mean, if you think back with Uber, right, Uber had oh, yeah. on a local level, even here in Austin, we outlawed them for, I think, a year. Um, mm. And uh, Tesla had some, has some regulatory problems, too. Um, and so all of these that are trying to disrupt the way that we've done things in the past, there's a lot of legacy people hanging on because they're getting their bills paid by these legacy systems. And they'll try to impact it in a whole lot of ways, despite the fact that, um, you know, we, we, we will show that this is a much more effective, uh, you know, way to go. So we will have some regulatory hurdles for sure. Sure. And what's the feedback been like in general from either people who have heard about it or, more importantly, the people who are, who are currently using it? Man, incredibly positive. Incredibly positive. We had a woman six or eight weeks ago who had a brain hemorrhage. She was okay. 38. She was 110 pounds. Um, just a crazy, you know, whack accident. Um, brain hemorrhage. Um, you know, we called her every day to see how she was doing. We sent her flowers. Um, and she came out of that and she's like, I felt so loved by you all, um, that it really helped me, I think in my recovery, you know, she spent, I think seven or eight days in, in neuro ICU, like it was bad. Um, Mm -hmm. and the fact that we were calling her and somebody was there really caring about her, um, I think just is a perfect example of like how many people feel like their health insurance plan or the NHS or whatever the equivalent is in your, your country feels, you know, the people feel loved by that entity. Um, mm. I think we really are taking a different approach here where we, we treat them like our community members. Um, and so the feedback has just been, you know, extraordinary. Um, so we just had somebody over the weekend who's got a baby with COVID and he took him to the ER. We told him that she shouldn't do that, but they did it anyway. But, you know, the fact that we were communicating with them on a Sunday um, mm. about their, their, their 10-month-old who had COVID, <laughs> um, He's like, wow, you guys are actually talking to me on a Sunday. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, because we care about you. Um, and so there is a, a genuine care for our, our members that I think people feel feel loved, um, which is, you know, we're, we're totally customer first. And so I think that's mm-hmm. really important. That's awesome, man. Man, well, I, I hope this thing continues to grow. And I hope that that... I hope that that attitude and care is truly something that can scale because I think that there's just so many organizations and entities and companies and out there, which, you know, they get to a certain stage or certain level and that just gets, that just gets lost. You know, things just become numbers and data points and the human beings and the humanity gets, gets lost amongst it all. And I think that that's a big problem that we're having across our societies. I think, you know, everything just becomes 
numbers and data and statistics and all of that. And you, even in this age of the internet, you know, it can be quite easy to forget that, okay, there's people on the other end of these things. These are individual people with concerns and families and friends and people care about them. It's not just, it's not just numbers. Yeah, I mean, I think it's us loving our customers is a key component of our scale. Not only yeah. does it scale, it's a key component of us mm. scaling, right? Uh, we're going to get most of our new members from people who are current members who are saying yes. this is awesome, right? And so we have every incentive in the world to make sure our customers feel loved. So they go and tell their family and their friends and all these other people to say, hey, you need to, you need to do something. This is different, and you need mm-hmm. to try it out, right? Um, and that person has a personal care advocate on our team that will talk to them. And so you talk to the same person every single time you call us. It's not call centers. You know, it's not call centers in foreign countries where you can barely mm-hmm. understand them. It's, it's the same person every single time you call. Um, and that's really important. I think that's a really important component of, of what we do, especially if you want to feel cared for. You can't be cared for if you have to tell five people the same story <laughs> every time you, yeah. you call in, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. just not the the type of culture that we're we're building. And you know, I think you know financially it scales, and I think it scales even better when you think about you know if people people love us and love yes. what we're doing. They're going to tell lots of friends, and that's our biggest expense right now is marketing, right? Absolutely. So if 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 you tell a friend, it costs us nothing, um, and that that is that allows us to scale some of the, the the customer experience components that we think is really important to to our business. That's awesome, man. Andy, where can people find out more about you and the company? Yeah, go to joincrowdhealth.com. Um, if you use the promo code Zuby. Um, you will get uh, three months at 99 bucks, which is uh, about half price. Um, so we'd love oh, wow. for you to, okay. to try us out. Um, and so, yeah, go, go to Join Crowd Health. And we're also on Instagram and, and Twitter and, and Facebook. And so go and see us there as well. Our, our what, handle what's, on all the, of those, what's the handle? Oh, sorry. It's you were saying. Join Crowd Health. Join Crowd Health. Yep. Awesome. No doubt. Is there um, a particular platform you want people to follow you on? Which one's most active? Yeah, I mean, Facebook is our, our most active um, and Instagram is our second most active. So different audiences for those two 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 um, types of platforms. But either one of those are good. Um, but follow us on Twitter. We love to get, get more conversation going on in Twitter as well. It's always lively when it's on Twitter, so we like it. <laughs> A little bit too lively. Nice one, Andy. Thank you so much for, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I, I really, really love what you're doing. And thank you for the, uh, for the discount code for listeners as well. That's awesome. And um, I'll put the links in the description. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gonna remember the name. Y'all gonna remember the name. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.